Hey guys, welcome to the RBC Students Recap Podcast. This podcast is for students in 7th through 12th grade who are interested in learning more about Jesus and what it looks like to follow Jesus every single day. On today's episode of the podcast, you're going to listen to a midweek recording from our series, Scripture's Strangest, where we dive into really weird stories to see what God is trying to communicate to us about himself and about life, and so you don't want to miss this. I have a mustache on my face. Um, it was about 1 or one thirty this afternoon um, when this mustache came to be, and um, since then, um, I have interacted with a lot of people with this mustache on my face. I have. Um, and in fact, I have taken the liberty to record some of the things that have been said to me and of me since acquiring said mustache. Hmm. Very interesting. What in the world was said? of my mustache. You look like a guy from Australia. Yeah, my own son told me that one. I picked him up from school at 2.30 this afternoon, and the first thing he said as he was putting his seatbelt on was, you look like a guy from Australia. Oh, no. Oh, no, was said upon hearing and seeing the mustache. Oh no. Oh no. No, I'm not going to tell you who said that. It kind of freaks me out. Instead of the mustache, it might grow on me like country music. Then someone's drink got spilled shortly after that. Why? 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 My own wife. Not a fan. What is that? He said in the lobby, my own boss, my own wife, my own life group members, my own friends. I'm sorry. That's a great mustache. I, I will take that. Uh, another, what in the world is that? And lastly, you look like a Tony. Followed by, hey, Tony, to which I turned around. That's on me. That's on me. Hey, listen, the moral of the story. And let me mention one more thing. Another certain somebody didn't go that route. I like it. Awesome. Looks good. Hey, PJ, I don't remember who said that, but thank you for saying that. I was encouraging amidst everything else that was said to me, PJ remained true to his character and encouraged me despite the lump of hair that's stuck on my face. It's a weird way to say mustache. All right. Hey, I think we can all agree. Uh, y'all have been, a trap was set on you today. I think, I think we can all agree though, that uh, making somebody feel bad for their, for their hairstyle on their head, on their face is just, is just not like, that's not a good thing to do. And, and it may feel really awkward if you happen to, if you happen to give me a hard time and then like, then you're going to read with me in second Kings chapter two, things might be a little convicting for you tonight. We're just going to see 
Second uh, Kings chapter two, uh, verses 23 through 25. And I will admittedly tell you tonight's message. You saw it on the screen. Baldy, the bears and the boys 2.0. This is a first for me. Listen, I have to confess. I have preached this text before in this room. I don't think any of you were in student ministry at that point. It was a long time ago. This one's back. This is like Nick greatest hits. It has been reworked for a modern audience. Okay. Times were different back then. Uh, I did not go with the mustache route last time. So that's a, that's a new edition. This is like when they make textbooks second edition so they can charge you twice as much for basically the same thing. This is a re-preach, but I want you to know that this text, believe it or not, is really, really important for us today, which is just crazy to think about, especially if you are not aware of it and you will soon see what I'm talking about. Um, let's do some context first. So before we even read these three verses, okay? Um, Elijah, so we're gonna talk about a, a prophet today named Elisha, okay? You're gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna see him. He is a prophet that, um, that preceded Elijah. And earlier in the chapter, something crazy happened to Elijah. If you look up there, um, Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind to heaven. And in fact, after that, uh, 50 dudes were like, we're going to go find him. Like, where did he go? And they're like, we're going to go find him. And then Elisha is like, no, like, don't go look for him. And then they're like, yeah, we're going to go find him. And then Elijah, it says he was embarrassed and Elisha. And he's like, all right, go look for him. And so they did. And they came back and they're like, we didn't find him. That's because he got taken up into a whirlwind into heaven. Like he's not, he's not, he's not here anymore. You couldn't find him. He's not there anymore. And so a young Elisha, he begins his ministry as the prophet of the day. And, uh, and, and things didn't go particularly well for him, um, kind of out of the gate. Now he does something really cool that we're going to talk about. That's also in chapter two before this, um, just to kind of show some contrast in what prophets do. Um, but, but kind of a general statement about prophets is their job is to speak on behalf of the Lord. Okay. We've talked about that a couple of times in this series already. I think last week we talked about that. Um, his job as prophet is to speak for God. They didn't have leather bound Bibles like this. And so, he would say, this is what God is trying to tell the people. And a lot of times the message was stop sinning, turn back to God. We are absolutely headed the wrong direction as a people. God has commanded us to do differently than what we have fallen into. So stop it. So it's a message of confrontation, kind of like the weird, awkward message of confrontation we had about how we listened to sermons in this room just a couple of minutes ago. So second Kings, here we are. Elisha. Second Kings chapter two. Why am I in Haggai? That's the wrong book. That's definitely not the right book. Second Kings chapter two, verses 23, 24, and 25. Here we go. From there, we'll talk about where he was before that. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. And he was, as he was walking up the path, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, chanting, nice mustache, loser. No, no. Chanting, go up, baldy. Go up, baldy. He turned around, looked at them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the children. From there, we have one more verse. From there, Elisha went to Mount Carmel and then he returned to Samaria. Baldy, the bears and the boys, believe it or not, this scripture matters. And so we're going to unpack some of the nuances of this thing. 
These three verses, they're kind of complicated without some context and without some unpacking. So we're going to do that tonight. And then at the end, we're going to talk about why in the world this could ever possibly matter for us. Let me pray for us before we jump in. Lord, um, in an obscure text, um, we, um, we still hear you speak. And so God, um, I ask you for help um, to clearly um, proclaim and articulate what it is that um, your word says and, and what these words mean and ultimately what they mean for us and what they say about you. And so God, um, use this time and we pray that you'll be glorified by how we conduct ourselves tonight and also how we engage with you through your word. In Jesus name, amen. All right, so verse 23 says, Elijah, from there, Elijah went up to Bethel. Now Bethel, if you remember from Genesis, it means house of God. So you remember in Genesis when Jacob was a sleep. And then he had this dream where there was these angels and they were climbing up a staircase or a ladder. They were going up and down. You remember that? That's when, that's when, when Jacob named that place Bethel. This is the same place, house of God. Um, Jacob set up a, a pillar there. It used to be called Luz, L-U-Z. Um, and it was a place that was dedicated to the worship of God. And so that's where he was. Well, in this day and age, worship of God wasn't taking place, but a whole lot of worship of gods with a little G and an S at the end was certainly taking place. And so this, this, this place that was consecrated by um, a patriarch of the faith who in, 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 he insisted that this, this particular ground was meant for worshiping Yahweh. The people of Israel had spiraled so far into sin that this place was no longer being used for that anymore. They were, they were, they were worshiping idols and they were partaking in, um, in, in, in pagan rituals and all kinds of terrible, terrible things. Well, the prophet Elisha, his job is to go to places like that and call the people back to faithfulness to God. And I don't know about you, but whenever um, somebody has a message for you that basically means or basically says you are doing the wrong thing and you need to do differently. You need to, you need to turn and you need to fix your ways. How do you think a lot of people respond to a message like that? Do they, do they often say, and maybe, maybe you've been told that before. Maybe you've been told, Hey, you are doing this all wrong. You need to fix your ways. Maybe your folks have said, you've got a bad attitude. You need to fix it. How did you take that message? How did you respond to that word? Was it, I humbly submit to your authority and I will vow to do so from this day forward. It never was for me either, Trayton. And I appreciate your honesty, young man. Yeah, a lot of times we do differently than that. A lot of times we get defensive. A lot of times maybe we even get hostile. In fact, when I was told, you need to shave that off your face, I wanted to respond in hostility but I also knew I would look really hypocritical if I came up here and talked about this after saying something like, no, you go shave your mustache. Well, I'm a, yeah, that's right. You don't have a mustache. <laughs> what do you think about that? Like, I didn't, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm surely not going to be that hypocritical to call you out and, and then get defensive and then tell you that you can't get defensive. And the people of God were making a mistake by getting defensive, but I've certainly never gotten defensive about anything like that in my life. Like trade, not your man, your honesty is so great. Like, I appreciate you being real with us tonight. Uh, that's not something I identify with because I don't ever have this problem. Like when somebody tells me like you were in the wrong. I'm like, yes, I understand. And I'm going to fix my ways right away. Uh, that's not true at all. Uh, I have certainly ran into that issue before in my life too. And the people of Israel, when they encountered a prophet, that's exactly what they ran into. Somebody who was saying, you are living your life incorrectly. You are living your life in a way that is not honoring the Lord. You are wasting your life. 
by doing it your way instead of God's way. People don't respond to messages like that very positively sometimes. Influencers, sometimes their feelings get the best of them and they may say or do things that are irrational or regrettable later on. They talked about that today about leadership. So Elijah goes up to Bethel, Elisha goes up to Bethel and he is tasked with being the voice of God by telling people to turn from their sins. And it says, as he was walking, a group of small boys approached him and they came from the city. Now, small boys, a lot of times when we hear this, this story, if you've ever, if you, how many of you for the first time are, are hearing this text? Yeah. Yeah. This in English, this is how it reads. Let me paraphrase it. It reads, Oh, crotchety Elisha comes into town. And these innocent, cute little guys, they see him and they're being, you know, boys will be boys. Go up, Baldy. Oh, it's so fun. And then mean old Elijah curses them. And then these poor kids get killed by bears. The first time I encountered this text, that's exactly how I read it. Because we see words like small boys and we see the word children. So I was a little confused because this seems like a really mean thing for God to be a part of. Like if God, we, we stand, I think actually I, my interviewer, I don't, you said something about like God loving us. And, and like, when we talk about the gospel, we talk about Jesus paying our price for our sins on a cross. He did that out of love for people. This, this story at face value just doesn't seem that loving, does it? It seems just kind of downright mean. So I did a little digging and, uh, and I actually looked at, at the Hebrew word here for small boys or children. And, 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 it's, and it's pronounced ne'er. Say it. Ne'er. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's not as easy as you think it is. So we've talked about on Sunday mornings how sometimes these ancient languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, they don't translate like super perfectly into English words because language is more complicated than that. And English is a wildly different language than any of those three ancient languages. Well, this is one of those instances where that's kind of true. So this is a pretty vague term. It's a pretty vague term. Um, these boys may have been your age. These boys may have been my age. Small boys, adolescent. Um, sometimes the same word is used for servant. Uh, it's, a, it's a vague word. And so there's some leeway in how we interpret that one word in Hebrew. But most scholars and commentators will agree that the age range of these boys is somewhere between like, like, like early teens, 13, 14, 15, up to like early 30s, maybe somewhere in that age range. Now, here's what that means especially in ancient Jewish context, 13, fellas, you've grown up. You're grown ups. You're adults. Happens young. Yeah, grow up early if you're an ancient Jew. Like, how many of you are 13 years old right now? You would be an adult in this culture. You would be, and, and, and even if you're not, like even like in our culture, you are still considered a child and, until, until the, the age of 18. And, but even still, I would say, that all of you, even if, if you are 13 or, or if you're older, all of us in this room, guess what? We are responsible for the decisions and the actions that, that, that we do. Okay, we, we, we are old enough to know if our decisions are wise. We know we are old enough to know if our decisions are good and helpful. We also know if they could be destructive. Um, but sometimes things get away from us. Maybe like a nine square ball to a red drink on the carpet. Like maybe that happened earlier. I don't know. Um, sometimes, sometimes we, 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 we don't think before we speak, 
But these guys, if they're your age or up to my age, I think they know what they're doing and there's a group of them. And so they see Elisha come along. And by the way, Elisha is not old. Just because he is bald does not mean he is old. You know what I'm saying? Just because he is bald does not mean that he is old. In fact, he is not old by any means. Um, he, he's not this old geezer that's just mad at the world and, and he, needs to, he needs to be put in place. No, that's not it. So Elisha is simply doing what God has called him to do. God has called him to do a very important job. And these young men approach Elisha and they pick on him. Now, there was a time where something similar happened to me. Um, our first year of marriage, I, we, we had Christmas. She knows exactly where I'm headed. <laughs> I, she, she got me and, and she got me a bicycle for Christmas. Lauren got me a bicycle. It's, it's a great bike. It's orange. Okay. So it's fast. It's like a flaming orange color. Like it's, it's a great bike, like a, like a great present. And, and I really, like, I, I want, like, I wanted to ride a bike. Like that was something I was interested in doing. And I, I was really grateful. And I, and I took this thing out and you know what? She bought me a helmet. Okay. Safety first, safety next, safety always. She bought me a helmet. So I put on that helmet and I got on that bicycle out in the cold December day. And I, and I went for a, for a bike ride and I was planning on like, man, I'm going to test this thing out. We're going to go for it. And we lived in some apartments right here down the road. And we had, I had, we had probably like 40 or 50 yards of parking lot before you get out like to the street. And so I'm just, I didn't even get out of the parking lot. Bless you. Before these, before these, these kids on their own bikes, I ran into a biker gang and these kids, you know what they did? Do you know what they did? They pointed and laughed. You're exactly right. They pointed at me and they laughed. You want to know what they were probably thinking? Look at that old guy on his orange bike. He probably got that from his wifey for Christmas. Oh, nice helmet, dweeb. I don't know if they were thinking those things, but they, point, they literally pointed at me on Christmas Day of all days. They pointed at me and they laughed at me. I identify with Elisha. He was simply doing what he was supposed to be doing. I was simply going for a bike ride and they say, go up, baldy. Go up. This is not a boys will be boys, little guys just being mischievous moment in scripture. Guys, this is serious. These guys know what they're doing. It, this is intentionally hurtful. But what is it exactly that they are doing? I think they're doing two things when they say, go up, baldy, go up, baldy. Here's what I think they're doing. First, I think they're mocking Elisha, okay? I think they're mocking Elisha. Um, that's why well, that one's pretty obvious. But why? Perhaps because of his baldness, okay? What, what's the point? Like, are they, is it just about physical appearance? Is it, is it equivalent to what you all did to me today? Not because of my lack of hair, but because of the existence of hair in a three and a half inch space? Is it the same as that? No, I think there were more serious implications here. Uh, listen, I think... I think if we look at culture, here's what we can, here's what we can see. Baldness in ancient Jewish culture was, as John MacArthur would say, a disgrace. This was a, this was a shameful thing. It was a shameful thing. Like, man, aren't you glad 2022 in America? Like it was a shameful thing to be bald in those days. 
It was, it was a sign of weakness. In fact, we can look at Elijah, the prophet that was brought up in the whirlwind earlier in the chapter. That dude had long hair, okay? Do you remember from back in Genesis when those twins were born? One we've already mentioned tonight, Jacob and his brother Esau. You remember that? There was a difference between those two twins. One was smooth and one was like me, Harry. Real talk. But you want to know what? I think I think I w- I think I was I think I'm alive in the wrong culture because you want to know what? Being hairy, guess what that means? That's a sign of strength and prowess and power. So Elijah was a prophet with an unpopular message, but he had long hair. He had a big beard. He I probably had a mustache. And he was a prophet of power. And then the guy that God calls to be his voice moving forward is a wimpy bald guy. And so I think they were mocking Elisha simply for how God made him, which is really hurtful. It was a disgrace. It was a sign of weakness. And they were also really offended by his message. Remember, his message is, you are living in sin. You should stop living in sin and turn to God instead. It was a wildly unpopular message. And in fact, when they say go up. Now, I don't typically... Like if, 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 if I am in, a, in an emotionally charged state and I want to just hurl an insult at somebody, go up is not a phrase that I think of right out of the gate. I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you're just like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's something that's like going to come into our brains. Like, I don't think that's something that we're going to say. That's not, that's not something that's not, those aren't words that we necessarily use like in an emotionally charged scenario. Like if we're trying to like hurt someone's feelings, those just aren't the words that come to mind. But these words, listen, 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 this, hello, hello, stay with me. These words are, 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 are serious because of what's written previously in chapter two. They are telling Elisha, wherever your predecessor went, wherever Elijah went, you go there too. Get taken up which means not go to heaven, not get caught up in a whirlwind. But if that happens to you, where does that mean you are not? You're not here telling us to stop sinning. You're not telling us that our lives need to change. You are not calling us out for our behavior. Get lost. Cease to exist in this village. You're not welcome here anymore. The one person in town that had words that will provide hope for an entire people, that people was saying, get lost. You are not welcome here. That's serious. So perhaps that's a part of what they were doing. Uh, good riddance, get out of here. And in fact, look on the screen. Um, this is a, a, a couple of verses or one verse from Second Chronicles 36 um, that, that describes the people in the day. Listen to this. You'll see it on the screen. It says, but they kept mocking the messengers of God. This is the people of Israel throughout the period of Old Testament despising words, his words, and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people until there was no remedy. The longer you scoff, the longer you mock, not only the Lord, but his appointed prophet, there is going to be punishment that comes. And that's exactly what happens. And so I think the second thing that these boys are doing when they say, go up baldy, they're not just mocking Elisha. They're mocking the one who sent him. They are mocking God himself. That's a bad move. Just a heads up. 
Okay, so when you mock the mouthpiece of God, that's one thing, but you are mocking God himself. And so listen to me very clearly. And here's where the rubber kind of meets the road for us. And I'm not necessarily saying this about me, but tonight this is true. If somebody is trying to teach you what God is saying to you, we don't have prophets in the Old Testament sense anymore because we have God's full revelation right here. If God is using somebody to instill his word in your life and your response to that is no, thanks. I'm good. Or no, thanks. I'm good. Or no, thanks. I'm good. Or no, thanks. I'm good. Listen, you're, you're not mocking the preacher. You're not insulting the preacher. You're insulting the one who sent him. That's a more serious offense, isn't it? Ah, the story with lady bears and silly boys. There are serious implications here that matter for our lives. But God is just. And because God is just, what does that mean that he must do to, to maintain his justice? He must punish sin. And that's exactly what happens. Look at verse 24. So Elisha, he turns around, he looks at them, and he curses them in the name of the Lord. So part of these boys taunting, it was a lack of reverence for Elisha's power. He was bald. He was weak. He was powerless in their eyes. And to say that to a prophet of God is basically saying, Lord, punish me severely. And so Elisha in the power of God, he demonstrates his power as the prophet and names a curse on these boys. But it's interesting once again, if, and we're not going to necessarily read today, but uh, actually we'll look at a couple of verses here, but look right above that and starting in, I think, verse 19. Yeah, look at verse 19. Look what happens there. The, both of these instances are considered miracles, believe it or not. The one that we just read about the bears and stuff, that's considered a miracle. Well, look at this one beforehand. It says this in, in verse 19. The men of the city said to Elisha, my Lord can see that even though the city's location is good. This is talking about Jericho, by the way. The water is bad and the land unfruitful. This is about 15 miles from Bethel, about like 11 to 15 miles from Bethel. Uh, verse 20, he replied, this being Elisha, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. After they brought him one, Elisha went out to the spring, threw salt in it and said, this is what the Lord says. I have healed this water no longer today, according to, I'm sorry, no longer will death or unfruitfulness result from it. Therefore, the water still remains healthy today, according to the word that Elisha spoke. And so there are two different miracles that take place in just a couple of verses in scripture. The first one, so remember, they, these boys assume that Elisha, because he is bald, he is weak, he has no power, he has no authority. In Jericho, just a few miles away, the water was tainted. It wasn't good for drinking. It wasn't good for growing crops. There's a spring right there, but it wasn't good water. Well, that's a, that's a serious issue out in the desert, right? You've got a spring like that water better be good. Otherwise the people are going to die because there's not going to be enough food. It's not going to be enough water to drink. There's not going to be enough resources for the people. Well, Elisha performs a miracle with his authority, despite being bald with his authority. He, he performs a miracle that is not destructive like the one we're reading today, but restorative. And so he's able to do both. God is, God is using him to show us how he is gracious and he's a provider and he is loving and he is good, but he is also just in the one that we're talking about today with these two bears and the curse and these boys that get mauled, which we're going to read again here in a second. 
God is just, but he is also good. He is also a provider and his prophet is able to demonstrate his God-given power in both ways. These boys didn't understand that. They thought he was powerless. They thought he was worthless. They didn't want him to be there. But we see in just these few verses that he has power. He has authority because God has given it to him all because they were offended by the message that he brought. So these boys, um, let's read it one more time just for fun. He turned around, looked at them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the children. Whoops. I'll teach you. These boys learned the hard way that a prophet's power <laughs> doesn't necessarily come by his appearance, but it comes by the one who sent him, the one who appointed him, the one who called him to be the prophet. And so what's happening here? Uh, there, there's a whole village of people who either saw or caught wind of this incident. Well, before we get into that, I want to say, uh, as we're wrapping up, there are, um, there are implications for us. Okay. Uh, we can, we can look at this story and we can, we can laugh at the fact, like it just seems super random and weird. Um, we, we can, we can wonder like what in the world was God thinking or doing, um, to which I think we've explored a little bit in a short amount of time of what exactly it was that he was doing. But still we're asking ourselves the question, what, what, like, what, what do I do? Like, I know typically when we read the Bible, like one of the questions that we ask ourselves is like, well, what do I do in response to what I've heard or what I've read or what I've seen? What, what do I do with this? Um, I've got some statements uh, that I want to make that I think are, are, are true that a lot of us maybe have thought about before, but just don't want to put these in front of you again. Um, first, um, if you haven't noticed this, um, it is a tough job to, uh, to, to point people to God, isn't it? It's a tough job to point people to God. If you've ever tried doing that out in the world, you know, it's a tough job, whether that be going, uh, into class or whether that being going across the world, pointing people to the Lord is a really hard thing to do. And maybe if you've ever tried this before, you know why it's hard. It's hard for the same reason that it was hard for Elisha, right? People are hostile to that message, aren't they? If, if, if you were to, to go to any public place and spark up a conversation as lovingly as you could, and you said, listen, if this person happens to, to, to not be a follower of Christ and you tell them your life was meant to be lived differently. A lot of times people don't take that very well, even though that's the most loving thing you could ever tell them. Listen, Elisha's message was the only message that could provide hope for the people and they still rejected it. Oftentimes the prophet was the only one proclaiming truth in a particular place. Maybe you feel like that sometimes too. Maybe you feel like, well, it seems like I'm a, it's like me against the world out here. How am I ever going to be successful? And after getting, and if you've tried, and if you've tried multiple times, you've been rejected and you've been rejected. And maybe there was a glimmer of hope there. And then they, then you got rejected again. Rejection hurts, doesn't it? It hurts to get put down. It hurts to get told No especially when your message is the one message that provides hope and life change for the people you're trying to reach. The implications are serious. Listen, scripture is clear. If you have, whoever has the son has eternal life. Whoever doesn't have the son does not have eternal life. Those are serious stakes. And we don't know when the end of this earthly life is going to take place for us. 
We know it's coming, but when? We don't know the answer to that. So the sense of urgency is there. I want to do the right thing. I want to proclaim the message to the people, but it hurts every single time somebody looks at me and rejects me. And it's not go up baldy to you, but it might as well be just as disrespectful and hurtful. It might as well be get lost. It might as well be cease to exist. That hurts. But does the pain of rejection over and over again give us an excuse not to take the message? It doesn't. It doesn't. And that's what I admire so much about these Old Testament prophets in most cases. I admire the fact that they took the message oftentimes by themselves into these hostile environments and they flat went for it. My guys are reading Acts and we see, we see the apostles doing this all the time. They're going into hostile places with the truth and they are unapologetically and boldly proclaiming the one message that people can be saved by, the message of Jesus. And nothing stops them. So in light of that, even if it's been hurtful to get rejected and rejected and rejected, I think something we can take away from this is we recognize it's a tough job to take the message of God out to the people, but we are still called and commissioned to do it. Carry the message anyway. Um, even if they point, even if they laugh, even if they call you something hurtful, even if they say, go up Baldy, take the message anyway. Next thing. Um, sometimes we, we struggle to accept the word of God in our own hearts, right? Sometimes, sometimes we, in, in that first statement, we would maybe assume the position of Elisha. Well, now let's put ourselves in the position that we sometimes find ourselves in too. The position of those young men. How often do we hear a pastor preach or hear or see someone in school like evangelizing and we, and we have this like critical jaded feel to how we, how we approach that. Or maybe we as followers of Jesus are, 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 are doing something in our lives that's sinful, that, that needs to be corrected. And one of your brothers or sisters in Christ is brave enough and bold enough to come to you lovingly and say, listen, brother, listen, sister, we've, we've got it. We've got an issue here that I'm seeing. And, and I love you too much to let you stay how you are. I'm going to help you. I'm holding you accountable to making this change in your life. How might we respond to that message? Okay, I'm going to hear you out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In humility, I, I, I accept the fact that I have not been doing the right thing in this particular area, and I'm going to ask you for help in becoming more Christ-like in that way. Is that how we're going to respond? Or are we going to reject the person who God is using to speak to us about a particular sin struggle in our lives? Are we going to say, yes, I understand what's happening here, and I'm going to make the appropriate changes? Or are we going to be like the people of Bethel, be like the boys, get lost? Or are we going to say... Yeah, I've heard that you're calling me out on my particular sin issue, but let me name five things that you're not doing right just to stick it to you. Where's the Christ likeness in that statement? It's not there. It's not there. Sometimes we get defensive when our sins are called out. Sometimes we reassure ourselves um, that a particular issue that we are dealing with is not actually an issue of sin. Sometimes let's, let's say, man, the Bible's been really clear about shoot from the hip here. I wrote a discussion board about marriage earlier. And, and one of the things that it talks about is like unfaithfulness in marriage. Yeah. I'm going to assume that, you know, man, unfaithfulness in marriage is just not that big of a deal. And so one day when you're married, if that particular sin takes place in your marriage, uh, you're, you're maybe, maybe you're going to try and try and try and try and just reassure yourself that, you know what, that's really not that big of a deal. I don't need to do anything about that. Perhaps that's what the people of Bethel were doing. Yeah, I know we're like, I know we're worshiping gods that aren't Yahweh. And I know that we're becoming accustomed to pagan rituals that God clearly told us not to take part in, but like, and everybody's doing the same thing. So it's like, 
really not that big of a deal. Like we're just going to sweep that one under the rug. Maybe we do that sometimes whenever God speaks to us through somebody else, or uh, maybe we buy into the consolation that, I mean, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. Like, I think if Lord, I think if the Lord, uh, you know, stood us next to each other, I think he'd be like, well, man, Nick, you got a lot of issues, but man, look at, look at Tony over here. Look at Tony, man. Tony's got more issues than you. And so I'm going to focus on Tony's problems and you're just, you're, you're okay. You just hang tight and keep doing what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? That's not how God rolls. Guys, God's standard for, for, for humanity is holiness. God's standard for us is to pursue him in relationship, to honor Christ with our entire lives. That's our job. But sometimes when we know we're in the wrong and God's trying to speak to us, sometimes we look at the guy next to us or the girl next to us and go, well, at least I'm not as bad as him or her. Yeah, that's not how God measures us. That's not how it works. And lastly, sometimes it's difficult to learn from the examples of others. Sometimes it's difficult to, to see failures and, and learn from them. If you're like me, uh, how many of you would say, I learn the hard way? This is just something I do. I learn the hard way. It seems like every lesson that I learn in life, I learn it the hard way. You with me on that? Yeah, yeah. I'm there. A lot of times I can see 10 people make the same mistake. And until I experience that mistake myself, I'm not going to learn anything from it. But in matters like these that are serious, my friends, we don't want to have to learn this lesson the hard way, because let me tell you something about bears. When they maul you, it hurts. (laughs) There were two of them and there were 42 of these boys. One of my questions for heaven is like, did Elisha stop and like count them? Like while they're like on the ground, <laughs> like one, two, three, four, how many boys were mauled here? One, two, three, four, five, six. That's one of my questions for heaven. We don't have time to go any further with that. But sometimes we need to look at the failures of others. And there are countless instances in scripture of the people of God making mistakes and learning from them. Learn from these so you don't have to learn the hard way, because guess what? The hard way hurts. And lastly, on the same note, I want to tell you, and I think I mentioned this very similarly last week, there is no scenario, no scenario. If you are at a crossroads in your life where you're like, and I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose my way. or I'm going to choose God's way. If those two ways look a whole lot different, there is no scenario in which your way turns out better for you than choosing God's way. There's no way it's impossible because God made you to live life with him instead of apart from him. And so my question to you, as we, we prepare, we're going to have a, a just a quick kind of time like we did last week, just to talk in small groups about a couple more questions, but I want to pose this question to you first. Uh, Based on that, uh, what needs to change? What needs to change? I guarantee you, we can all, if we look deep enough into our hearts, we can look and say, yeah, there are people who are being used by God to speak to me and I've just been ignoring them. Maybe that's something I need to do is maybe pay a little more attention to those people that God's put in my life to speak truth. Maybe I need to be a little more respectful to the people God has appointed to preach his word. Listen, all that stuff that we talked about at the beginning that was awkward where I put on my hat of authority just for a minute. Listen, all of that applies in that room over there when Pastor Jeremy preaches too. He has been appointed by God to lead our church and to proclaim the word every single Sunday. And a lot of times it's really easy for us. And I've been there. It's easy for us to come up with a good excuse not to listen to what the Lord has for us that day. Don't make that mistake. Don't make that mistake. Because based on the testimony of these 42 boys, it doesn't go well when we make that mistake. When God speaks, whether that be through a friend in discipleship, whether that be through a a youth pastor like me, or maybe even our senior pastor preaching the word on Sunday mornings. Don't miss an opportunity to hear God speak to you. 
what he has to say to you is better than whatever distraction you have in front of you that Satan is tempting you with. And take it from these guys. It's not a good, it's not a good outcome whenever you decide not to listen to the Lord. When you decide to mock him instead. And listen, you don't have to say go up baldy in order for it to be a mock. You can also say nothing at all. When you turn your attention away from God and onto something else, you might as well be saying, God, you go up, you get lost, you get out of here. And so a text about 42 young boys getting mauled by bears, by God's design, matters for us. All right, guys, that is all for this week. Make sure you follow us on social media for more content. We'll see you next time.